Mimi. Lemon face. Lion face. Um, Dan, I got some good news for you. What's that? This is inexplicable, but um, our new Lost podcast, Lost Boys TM, Mm. um, has garnered so much attention that our previous sponsor has chipped in, and uh, we are now sponsored by... Seagram's Escape. Mm. Sip happiness. Mm, Sip it. I'm sorry. Our new sponsor, huh? Yeah, because they sponsored the Movie Blues podcast. Everyone oh, knows that. Oh, oh, right, 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 right. Everyone, thank you for being in on this bit. Um, everyone knows that. <laughs> uh, uh, now, yeah. they've stretched their range as well to meet us where we're at, yeah. which is drinking a Calypso Colada 3% Seagram's yeah. Escapes. As we've grown 2 PM. as a business entity, we've gotten more interest by the same people. It, that is exactly what I'm saying. They've doubled down on loving us. Yeah. And that is beautiful. We're ready to talk about Lost. I feel like they should give us like at least like a case of Seagram's escapes at this point. You think we've earned a case? Yeah. At least. I was thinking more like a pallet. I'll take a case. I mean, dude. Did you mean crate? You, I didn't, but... You know, I'm I'm trying to be reasonable here. Think of it this way, though. Every time you come to the podcast studio, there's literally one on ice, chilling, <laughs> just waiting for you. Like, think about how much we podcast. I know. It's nice how they always send their catering person to get us exactly, set up like that. Exactly. So it's about that day-to-day love yeah, that makes yeah. Seagram's It's like work. having a like a concierge for your, your midday refreshing beverage. It's like when Jack got that Thai prostitute in that one episode. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. I, for- I forgot all about that. We're going to talk about that because that's our job. Oh, yeah. We I'm are. probably going to have – I was looking through my notes. It's kind of just like a hodgepodge of notes from the last – everything since I've I, I've spoken to you. And I don't have it separated by season. So there's going to be moments where I'm like, which season was this? Great. I can't wait. <laughs> Welcome back to Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Sip happiness. Previously on Lost. I felt like I'm gonna need you to rein that in a little bit. Um, previously on Lost, we were discussing uh, how things have been going since um, we are now devouring the midpoints of the show. Um, to further elaborate on those midpoints, again, we are providing you with another episode where we are now going to talk about the finer things, the finer points within those seasons. Um, we need a segment name. Dan's notes are going to be pretty disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think while Dan has to suffer with, uh, you know, conquering the mysteries of the island, I will suffer with trying to decipher what, <laughs> what he's referring to in his internal notes. Um, and with that said, uh, let's talk about what do you mean suffer? This is your chance to re- revitalize and reinvigorate your fucking former passion. My brand. Yeah. Yeah, you're coming back in a big way. I know. Thanks, bud. Um, Lost season two. Or as I like to put it, not that bad, but <laughs> pretty bad. Um, the first thing about season two worth talking about 
is the tailies, obviously, the people who were discovered to be alive from the tail section of the Forgot plane. about them already. Um, when that originally... What a forgettable bunch that we spent so much time on. Try also, as we do this, to, to feel as if this is current and not spend the whole time going, I've just forgotten about that. That's I, not going to be helpful for anyone, so just I'm get into that so mode. I'm so sick of what's-her-face from the fucking mental institution. Dial it back a little bit and get into the mode of season two. Her name is Libby. No one cares, Hurley. Um, she got a DUI very close to when Michelle Rodriguez got a DUI. She knows everyone. She's fucking, she's boys with fucking Desmond out in the real world. She lives with Hurley in the mental institution. She's just the fucking answer to everything, huh? Isn't she, Dan? Libby. Actually, actually this serums is different than the normal blue one. You are right. Oh, you son of a bitch. You led the, me into this fucking the one that I used fluorescent to drink, blue hellhole. The one that I drank was um, blue Akai, remember? Acai. Yeah, um, regardless. Um, <laughs> and this one is Calypso Colada, and it is a little more disgusting. Not a lot, but a little more disgusting. Just to be clear, we're upstairs, and I'm like, you only have these fucking pina colada ones. And Dan's like, no, it's the one I have all the fucking time. It's not colada. Make, what I'm company like, makes colada. two drinks that are fucking bright blue? <laughs> They're extremely blue. Yeah. They're the same color of blue. It's really funny. To, to back up what he's saying, I said, you only have pina colada once. And he goes, no, it's blue. It's the blue flavor. <laughs> like, who, meaning, like, who would have thunk? A pina colada flavor can't be blue. You're like, no, it's blue flavor. I'm like, dude, it's it a fucking Kool-Aid. Dude, the other one has the word blue in the title <laughs> of the flavor, Dan. You got to give me the hell from looking at it. You got to give me that. <laughs> this whole episode is just going to be about Seagram's. This is disgusting. I mean, this one is terrible. Sorry. It, when you drink a Seagram's, it's like rolling the dice, baby. Yeah, that's why. Luckily, we, I mean, we might lose them as a sponsor here. We'll still have them. Yeah, I don't, yeah, this is. We'll um, always have the movie blues, boys. We're going to have to cut all this out. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to use this sound entirely too much in the normal podcast. I guess I'm already doing it to death. It's kind of already done. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to get treated by Seagram's like Netflix is treating its employees who hate Dave Chappelle right now. Like, letting them freak out and quit their jobs for some reason? They're firing people now. Good. <laughs> I don't think the execs at Netflix wrote Dave Chappelle's special, did they not? I don't think they did either. They made a deal with him. I haven't seen it yet. All I'm going to say is I'm quite sure that special is offensive as shit. However, if these people didn't walk out over cuties, like, just fucking get over it. Like, this is the future, people? Cuties? Was insane. As you all sit around accusing people of child pedophile rings while you watch the network who made cuties, <coughs> as you do your little squid games with one another, um, you just forget all the posts you made about the evil pedophile ring because, oh, it's time to watch squid games, so go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. You can go get fucked. Yeah, proper fuck, dude. You and Gordon Wood. <coughs> Can go fuck each other's butts. We almost made it through. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow, we did a bit. Dan didn't talk about fucking anyone's butt. Wow, <laughs> you're gonna fucking dilute my comedy genius. Something you only you, when the bits about fucking people. Something when that you and your little friends in high school all jo'd each other to. The man who's changed your destiny with his prolific humors. You're going to boil that all down to butt fuck jokes? When it's talking about fucking... Look, or, or you're rapping. Dude, the okay. raps. I mean, uh, 
the, the raps are spontaneous. It's, it's only <laughs> happened like two or three times. That's very recent development. There's no rapping in the first four seasons of the podcast. Anyway. Similar to the amount of rapping in the first four seasons of Lost. <sighs> what a seg. <laughs> um, you love the noise at the end of that sample so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to cut it off because you, you can't not laugh at it or laugh at it. No, you're funny. supposed to laugh with it. It's so funny. You're supposed to also be going. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good impression of it. Dude, don't even do the sample anymore. <laughs> that is terrifying. I'm back, baby. Look at you. Look at you. I didn't even make a butt fucking joke and you're you're crying, so you're welcome. It's funny. As usual. Um It's funny. Okay. Let's uh, <coughs> really try to rein this uh. one in. Um Lost. <laughs> Season two. Um the Desmond opening. That's where Lost Season Two opens up with with um play your own kind of music, sing your own special song with him doing his laundry and do you like that Power Rangers story? <laughs> yeah. That's dope, right? It was staring me in the face, the fucking White Ranger. So I, my brain goes, surely the whole thing that he's on is Power Rangers related. And no. I go up at, to see, uh, what is this, the creature from the Black Lagoon? That is technically the alien from the 1999 <laughs> X-Files film, Fight the Future. <laughs> With a Power Ranger. <laughs> I, I, look, I won't lie to you, man. I put that there today. For me? Yeah, and it faced it directly towards you. Well, what a fucking payoff that was. Um, that really did go a lot further than I wanted it to. <laughs> I wanted you to just kind of see it, appreciate it, and be like, something I like. <laughs> it is staring right at you. Yeah, dude. Surreptitiously, um, it's Tommy, it seems dude. as if Silent Bob is facing away from you right, right now on your podcasting desk, which is... Yeah, we're not on speaking terms right <laughs> you now. You two got a little tiff. <laughs> I'm going to wait to see how Clerks 3 goes before yeah. I make any calls. Yeah, I, I hear you, brother. Look, if they fuck up Clerks 3, can we just, like, can we just be done? Yes. Like, if they fucked up Reboot and Clerks 3... Okay, Dan's making as much noise as he possible. Um, then I'm going to kill myself. Anyway, back to Lost. <laughs> <laughs> Lost Season 2, um, opening with Desmond. Um... The reveal that there is just a dude doing his laundry in the hatch is one of... <laughs> <laughs> is right, I gotta get back into season two mindset. And, and who collects vinyl. Yeah, is, is, I was laughing my balls off during that scene. Um, wh what is great about that scene, which is echoed throughout the rest of the show, again, this is a show mostly of microcosm situations that you've seen from the first episode that you'll see expanded upon and done over and over and over again. Um, just like the bait and switch where you think something is going to be mystical and full of like the John Locke faith era, you know, uh, type of reveals. And it just turns out to be a dude fucking picking his belly button and, and doing curl ups and, and like eating yeah. oatmeal. I love in that. a bunker. When um, that started, I was like, the season's about to be great. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and um, uh, all the stuff with Desmond in season two, I think, is very strong. And learning about his history, I think, is vital to the show. Um, and, you know, most of the things that are problematic about season two really are them just kind of doing season one again, but to lesser um, success, essentially. Like, they, they do what I would consider to be extraneous flashbacks towards... Like, oh, you know, the last flashback you saw with Jack, here's like seven hours before that. Right. Like a week's worth. That's what of I was content. talking about in the last podcast. 
didn't I say that what, did you the one episode where I was like he'll say a line of dialogue then it'll flashback then come back he'll do his next line of dialogue then go back to another flashback well I wrote down the, the most egregious example was in season two Kate was in her episode was sleeping so they did flashback then they cut to Kate asleep and they zoomed in on her right. in the cage and then cut to a different flashback. Right. That was the most egregious one ever. It was literally, how did that look in the script? They were just like, uh, flashback ends, a beat, Kate is taking a nap, flashback begins, interior hospital. It's like, <laughs> it was like, it was just insane. Like, I mean, just, that's what the entire episode of The Constant is, basically. It was that that was just super duper sloppy. I mean, that was craziness. Um, and yeah, I mean, season two, very extraneous, but also uh, introduced certain elements that are important that we will get to. Um, I do like how they obscure Desmond's face in the first scene so that the reveal of him being the guy that was in the stadium yeah. with Jack. And and you see in many times they lower voices and they try to make people sound weird. So they I just watched the most <laughs> egregious one Which in the one? episode I watched yesterday was the reveal of uh Kate and Jack being like all happy go lucky married in the future and she's in the shower and he's oh my like, god. And she, she, she's like, Have you spoken to Aaron? She's <laughs> like Have you seen the baby? Yeah. Um no, it's not that bad, but it is very, very bad. Um and they do it like a lot. Yeah. Uh so that it's hilarious. That is also a symptom of um when you watched because I, I can speak for this firsthand. When I watched those live, I would say I noticed some of them, but I was not listening to them on like giant cleaved speakers through right. a 4K Blu-ray player. Like some of this shit is is not <laughs> held up great <laughs> under scrutiny when it comes to uh, audio and video sleight of hand. Um, that you know, but then there are ones that were bad to begin with. Like uh, Jacob's Cabin is a good example of like, <laughs> of like when it aired. I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> it bullshit? was like going to like Eastern State Penitentiary for like spooky spooky night. It in really <laughs> was a huge huge ask. I, I guarantee you, a thousand people stopped watching Lost after that episode. <laughs> they were just like, wow, okay. This is, we really, we're doing the, like the Wizard of Oz. It was like a house in Fright Fest, dude. It looked awful. It was so dumb. That was so dumb, but. I, the I, way they were just trying to cover it with camera flashes and just like lightning and shit was so funny. Um, in, in season two, you get some good scenes that are, you know, worth their chops on their own. But in the greater uh, scope of the season, not so much. But like that Desmond opening is incredible. Brother, you also get to that was see... such a fire cliffhanger. We were talking yeah. about like top five, fucking non-season ending cliffhangers. That person being Desmond, I was like, oh, guy from the stadium, right? Ooh, that's and, a great moment. And Cat had missed it. She was like, oh my god. I was like, that's, that's the guy. Yeah, remember, remember, brother. And you have to ask brother. yourself that um, that is introduced the whole idea that Jack ran into Desmond, not in season one, but in season two. And then they immediately show you that these guys saw each other in another life. And what is funny about that is that's another moment where you're like, okay, this is where the writers just like decided these people are going to have a lot more in common than you thought. Yeah. Because nowhere in season one really 
did we get the sense it's as like if interconnected all shit. of these people were this connected? Right. Um, I think that's something that they doubled down on and then yeah. really doubled down on. And you, right now, where you are in the series, are within a few episodes of the biggest quadrupling down on that that you'll ever see, which will like blow your mind. Oh my god! Um, but um, is that in this season? Yeah, episode eleven. This is why I kept texting you about episode eleven. I'm like, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Oh are you there god. yet? And you've just been stalled out. We're like supposed few... to go visit one of my friend's uh, grave sites today after this, and I'm like trying to figure out how I can get out of that and go watch Lost. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> and so we, uh, <laughs> and so we meet the Tailies, which is the other biggest part of the season. Um, I feel dude, it feels like a lifetime ago. I know. Do you have to stop saying that though? That's not. That's not good for Mike on Mike. Why? Because like you got We're taking the viewers, the, you know, the listeners, through this. We're, we, you know. We but now we are presenting we gotta... a world where we are analyzing them through a more mature lens. But also, this is like in reality shows where they cut to the. They call it ITM in the moment. And it's just like a person sitting there eight months later pretending as if they're there right now. They're like, oh, I just feel so like mad at Carissa right now. Like right. she doesn't. Yeah. Why? So we don't that's, need to that's, do that. That's what we're doing. Why? That's where we're at. Because we can't just keep going like, oh, I remember that. Cool. Like I've seen all of this. Of course, I remember all of it. Like, you know, we're taking it. It's like a uh, you're the grammar one. It's like uh, not present tense. It's like the. Just, just like a little, little addendum to that. It's like past present, future tense. Yes, it's like one of those little like gray area ones. Or, uh, or uh, yeah, yeah, like future perfect fucking tense. Anyway, the tailies show up. Cut all of that. And uh, <laughs> that's for sure going in. Um, uh, the tailies show up, and the best part for me is like another. Oh, hold, hold on, I need to ask about the tailies. Yeah. As like, is that like a fan given description, or is at I any point in the, in the show, show do they call them the tailies? I think so. Okay. But it may have started as a fan one and crept in. Mm. Never know. Because um, that happens. Because, in... like, all the factions have these weird little fucking names. Yeah. I mean, they're very... It Maybe from a, a branding perspective, they wanted to do it and, and really just be like, we want there to be, like, factions. Yeah. You know, the teams. others. This, this, and that. And, and this is where you start to see them. You need to have clear teams set aside yeah. for the future Lost board game. Sure. And then... Um, What's interesting about the Tailies is that they start playing with the idea of um, these teams in the sense that when they set them up and and they uh, attack Jin and Sawyer and, and company, you think that they're the others. And that was a great misdirect, I thought. At the end of one episode, they're attacked and, and you know, the camera swoops up and, and you see this huge, burly African gentleman with a huge stick. And you're like, oh my god, like, who are these people now? And then they pan to Jin, and the final thing he says before it says fucking lost on the screen, he's like, others! And then it's like... Oh, oh, and fucking they come back from uh, the raft or whatever. Right, and, and then when the next episode starts, which in real life was a week later... Yeah, right. You're like, oh man, they were in it with the others, and then you realize that that's not even that. There are actually more of the survivors yeah. who's like gone a little south you know what i mean yeah right um and that crew is interesting because it shows a um a parallel to the kumbaya vibe yeah of that's uh that's present in 
are, you know, 40-some survivors. Yeah. This that, is what happens if you don't have a jack amongst right, you. Right, right. And, and you got to admit, that that is interesting from a writing perspective. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and I just wish it weren't Michelle Rodriguez. Yeah. The season would go up four points immediately. Anna Lucia, or as Sawyer once called her, Anna Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> is uh yeah she's she has her moments there are moments i did enjoy her performance i would say she stinks i would say this worst character in the show i would say this is maybe her her best performance i've ever seen her in great which which dude i mean look at what she's been in she is scraping the bottom of the old barrel yeah it's because she's a bad actress she's bad and difficult to work with apparently and drunk all the time (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the things they introduced, unfortunately, in season two, kind of fans reacted badly to, and they got rid of because the fans reacted badly. Um, how do they like do that? Like, like, is the whole season not written when the fucking season starts? Like it, I, I can't fully, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know how that works, but they're like when they're like, we wrote out Nikki and Paolo in response to the fans. Like when When they were like, they're as, as. You know, I mentioned in the last episode, there were seasons of Lost where they were shooting seven episodes at a time. You know what I mean? Like, they were in constant production for all of these years. So, and the fan community was insane. So maybe, like, one day they're filming an episode that's going to debut in six months, and they read the forum, and they're like, Nikki and Palo suck. And they're like, okay, well, we need to start. Well, right, we're about to base out. all of season four on them, so <laughs> pivot. Exactly. Um, let's get to Nikki and Paolo yeah. eventually, because that's probably should be its its own entire episode of this podcast, The Lost Boys. But for now, I'll say that there are successful times when Lost introduces something, and then there are ones where they're just like, oops, like the science teacher guy in season one who just like explodes. <laughs> Artsed, um, but he ended up being important with uh, Nikki kill, and Paolo. Paolo. <laughs> God, got him. <laughs> they just fucking and got rid of everyone in one fell swoop. I just want you to was make... that the Jew- the super Jewy doctor who was like, I want to play golf, my, my rash. I just want you to know <laughs> that if you were to turn the lights off in the podcast studio right now, there would be a, a ultraviolet map on the ceiling, and it would say Nikki and Paolo in the center, and all <laughs> other. Things that have happened in the show just would be revolving around it. God. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Sawyer, um, not really developing much in season two into the man that he currently is where I'm at in the show, which isn't too advanced either. I, I've come to realize that his real character change happens much later than I remembered, but he's still throwing out hilarious one-liners, show-stopping nicknames such as for son <laughs> Tokyo Rose... <laughs> And uh, he's just like, he's just like, just a bag of dated. And when I say dated, I mean like no longer even acceptable uh, nicknames for people. Um, Not aged well. That is, I would say the single element that has aged the worst of the show is Sawyer's nicknames are just like so off color. And some of them are meant to be laughed with and not at. Right. Some of them are like, oh, he's calling um, Saeed Abu Dhabi. Like, oh, that's something a racist person would say, and that's right. how it was written. Right. And then some of them are like, this is him doing a playful one. 
Yeah, right. That you're supposed to be like, that Sawyer. And he's yeah. like, got it, Tokyo Rose. And it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was outdated in 2004. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? A, um, lot of, a lot of fat shaming from Sawyer's end. Anyway, it's 2022. We have eradicated racism, as I've said multiple times. And uh, we're living in a free Yeah, we're in a Utopia. post-racial society. Um, okay, so... Uh, so therefore, uh, any racist humor is purely satirical. Other things that are important that they brought in in season two... Um, Alvar Hanzo and the Dharma, or Dharma Initiative are really introduced. I don't think they say Dharma Initiative until season two. And that is the point at which, you know, really the meat and potatoes of the entire show begin. So it's not like you could, the thing about loss is it, it, there is a lot of fat to trim, but it's not like you could like excise a season right. for being born. You can't excise two episodes. Um, the most I could say you could have excised is like the first half of season three. I could have, seriously done with that up until I mean Man from Tallahassee. A lot of it was important, but it was just like what was five episodes could have easily been one and a half episodes. Two other super important characters that show up in season two, Ben, which is a love critical addition. Love how he's for so long what we think of Ben is just that he's just like an underling, like a useless member that they happen to ca- capture. Don't underestimate me. Yeah. He's a little, he's a little much. Don't tell me what I can't do. Sometimes Ben's performance is not good. (laughs) Sometimes it's very compelling. Other times it's like, you expect him to just be like, and I, I ate his liver with a, a, (laughs) and a nice Chianti. Um, He is sometimes just too much. Just take it down one notch with how wide you're opening your eyes, unless you have Graves disease, which in which case, sorry. <laughs> but uh, without knowing him, I assume they were just like, just do that little rat thing where you're just being a little rat. And that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> kind of his vibe at all times. The worst of like the, the apex of his creepiness for me in a way that's like not intended is when he's like um, doing that whole thing with Juliet. And he's like, you forget, Juliet. You're mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. Meh. Yeah, that was. <laughs> The most, and his pants are so high in that yeah. scene. Yes, it very. is wild. He wears a high waist <laughs> when he's adventuring, especially yeah. <laughs> when he's out on safari. Strange guy. I mean, he's gay, right? I mean, what's the deal? Like, is he is he straight? I don't know. You know. I think he just like wants to just own things. Gay, straight, it's all the same anymore. There's no more lines. Um. Uh, Dharma Initiative is introduced, so that is pretty huge. Um, one thing I started to get really sick of in season two, for sure, is like every time you see the others, they're dressed all dirty and they have no shoes on. And just like the others in dirt makeup talking about Walt being special has huge pedo vibes that it never did before to me. I yeah, found it very uncomfortable. That, that was all the shit with fucking. Bring us the boy. Yeah, I was. I hated all of that plot line. I could do it. I could do without Walt and Michael's characters in general. Yeah, that's kind of what the show did. You know, they were just like, "Walt, you're too tall. You can't act. You're gone. Yeah. <laughs> Take a lap." Kelly's um, not. Uh, the, probably the low point um, of season two is when there's an Anna Lucia and Jack's dad buddy cop episode. Um, pretty painful to watch in general oh man i forgot about that (laughs) um clancy brown though he shows up in season two who's uh desmond's um well how would you even describe him his captor in in the hatch um 
he's the guy who talks yeah. like this and everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that fucking... And he was also, um, he was the soldier who convinced Saeed to torture his former commander. Yes. He's come up a few times where, you, where you've seen him yeah. just, like, being a general. And like... he was on the plane with uh, Kate's dad. Right. It's um, all connected. It is all connected. It's all. It all comes down to what's her face, fucking Saeed's wife. Um, it's in in that episode, Nadia, the Anna Lucia and Jack's dad buddy cop episode, where I would say the laziest moment besides the Kate Nap flashback happened that I've ever seen in the show. Which is like, okay, you've set up that these people have bumped into each other in the past. You're trying to do the most creative examples of that and and right. keep it fresh, and. This moment is like one of the laziest moments I've ever seen in my life. Anna Lucia and Jack's dad are like outside of a bar and they're in the car about to go in. And Anna Lucia opens the car door and it just hits Sawyer. Right. Oh, who's my not, God. Who's not in yeah. the episode. Yeah. Who who has nothing to do with the plot of it yeah. whatsoever. It just it so happens, you know, of course, people are in Australia at that time. And she bumps in with the car door. The um, same thing happens earlier with Boone in the police station reporting that fucking What's-Her-Face is getting beaten by her boyfriend. And then Sawyer's getting, like, arrested in the background, like, pulled into the place. Like, you don't know what I did! Anyway, he just looks at he <laughs> looks at Anna Lucia and he goes, I'm walking here! Oh, my God. Like, yeah, Jesus Christ, guys, come on. Like, you couldn't do anything better than that. Yeah. Um, the dude who plays Sawyer was like, all right, I'll take this extra day of pay. When it comes to Lost, we all get hung up on our own mysteries, our own ideas in our mind, and delusions about what, you know, the show ultimately means, where it's headed to, and what its mysteries mean. And, you know, Dan got caught up on the numbers. He was really obsessed with that. That kind of faded away. He probably doesn't think of it at all anymore. I think about it constantly. It is going to come back. Can't fucking wait. Very big. Um, But one thing that hooked me as a viewer, and I can't explain why... But on my first watch of Lost, I was like just really upset about the whole Hurley Bird thing from season two. Um, what is this? They're walking through the jungle and oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> they're walking through the jungle <laughs> and they look up into um, you know the upper brush of the jungle and a gigantic, I mean like twelve foot wingspan, like maybe bigger, green bird that has like the body of like a vulture almost but is bright green right screams hurley's name it's like hurley hurley <laughs> and goes flying over hurley and i and uh hurley <laughs> looks up at the bird and he goes whoa dude like yeah whoa and cut to commercial and that was it yeah and Doesn't it's been sawyer go like Did that bird just say your name yeah yes and then now it's been that happened in season two now we're in season Five. Does that get answered? Yeah. <laughs> but, like, as somebody like yourself who is watching this for the first time, you weren't thinking about the bird. Right. And that has a lot to do with the amount of time it took to watch Lost and how impactful every separate episode is. That, to you, that blew by as as nothing. It literally didn't even register in your mind. Yeah. If that bird showed up in season six and landed on top of the pyramid and was like, I have been watching you <laughs> this whole time. I am the great time bird. You personally would be like, what the fuck 
is going on because you don't even remember that that happened. Right. But as a viewer of the series over time, later. Yeah. As a viewer of the series at the time, three plus years had gone by, and I just was like, dude, what? What is up with the fucking bird? Are we ever gonna go into this? Like, when is this ever gonna be answered? And it takes until, uh, you know, uh, look, it's in the it's in the epilogue of the show, the thing that the thing the sixteen minutes that I told you where they're just like, oops, uh, uh, we forgot to um, actually this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this, and they brought the bird in, and and you have to understand, and we'll talk about it, like obviously when we get there. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge reveal either, because like again, it's one second. So how much could it really affect right. the whole show? You'll have to see. But um, it's definitely not the situation I described to you of the gra- <laughs> of the, <laughs> the great, great time bird that's like resting on Saeed's shoulder with its eyes glowing. It's not. That's not where we're going at all. Unfortunately, even though that's where I wished it would go, but it, it did not. <laughs> Dude, I'd be so pumped if that's what happened. Just like the balls of that show. I was like, okay, there's a smoke monster. There's polar bears. Like, where are the mythical beasts? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, keep in mind that that happened. Yeah. Just so that when you see the explanation or you see it referred to, literally after the series has already concluded, you'll understand how much of a journey that was for me and how fruitless all of these <laughs> mysteries ultimately are to toil over. Um. Because the experience of the show is not getting your answers. It's the friends you met along the way. I mean, for real. Like, And you will get plenty of answers, but they're never going to fully satisfy you. They never satisfied me, even though they answer everything. I don't have anything that's like, oh, my God, I always wanted to figure... I mean, the baby mystery, obviously. But <laughs> I, I think I've got that pretty much nailed down. I'm going to give a crack at it now real quick because we're like halfway through the show. Um, baby mystery, I'm assuming at this point, just women just can't have babies on the island because it's an electromagnetic hellhole. Okay. That's one guess. Oh, as to, like, why they die? Yeah, like, okay, uh, as I mentioned in, in the very first episodes of Lost Boys, like, that's the one mystery I just can't figure out if there was really a proper answer to. Well, you kept saying the baby thing, but by that point, we hadn't been introduced to the concept of, like, women die. It's all, in my mind, from when I said it in the first episode, connected. Anything yeah, to do with of babies of course it is, but at the is time, I was just like, I was like, I don't... The baby mystery. Yeah. Why women can't have babies on the island. I might be forgetting something. Somebody might be screaming at their stereo, but like, I guess just like women can't have babies and they just make a huge deal of it. And that quote that I read you that Richard Alpert said where he's like, Ben is like tying us up with this baby mystery is like the perfect anecdote to like why I shouldn't even care about it. Yeah, right. Anyway, I'm going to solve the baby mystery. Um, (laughs) Libby and Hurley relationship is rather haunting. I have in my notes. Um, I just didn't like it. Just made me feel uncomfortable. Wait, whose relationship? Libby and Hurley. Oh. What? It was so heartwarming. Was it? Yeah. It was to me originally, but it just felt like so fast this He was going to throw never... himself off a fucking cliff, and she saves him, Dan. But he never even got They were it. in the same mental institution together, bro. Dude, he never even got that nay. That was a top. That was a top. He was about to, though, and that's... that's. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have gone well. It was going well. Like to be soulmates with that moment where she got shot at when she walked in the room and they got shot. I was just like, Oh, they're doing it! Yeah, they're doing it. Fuck them. I was that was the first moment where I was like, All right, this season's been boring as shit, but um, it takes bulls. I like it. It takes bulls. It takes bulls, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, season two finale. Um, 
follows Desmond's story. Um, it, it Brother. concludes with, I believe, the explosion of the hatch, um, which you described in great detail before, so I won't have to do it again. I will say that I still am always kind of miffed by that whole scene from like an effects point of view. It's like the sky turns purple. Everyone's like, oh, oh. And then that's it. And then the explosion of the hatch itself seems to be this impossible, insane explosion that surely any person would be vaporized in. And yet everybody who is in the hatch is just like perfectly laying outside of the hatch. That's never sat with me well. And it it honestly does not make much sense with the end of the show either or really with anything else. It's just like, it's just lazy, lazy storytelling. Just like, yep, everybody survived. But also it looks like a crater, like a nuclear fall. Yeah, right. Um, That was a little... A little stupid. I mean, granted, Desmond, from that explosion, um, gained the ability to kind of travel throughout his own timeline, which we see in the episode The Constant explained to some degree. Now I'm just like fucking like, I'm like, it can't be a time loop because prior to that, he didn't have any concept of the time travel shit. As Daniel Faraday said, anything that happened, happened. Right. Um, He did the same weird fucking squint he does when he talks. Any um, attempt to change the past is not going to work. It's all really going to play out the same way, which I believe is a parable kind of like not Back to the Future. That's not the rules in Back to the Future. No, no. I was listening to, so I was, I've been cheating. I've been watching shit and listening to shit that was available at that time. Okay. So I've been reading after each episode, I've been watching the Entertainment Weekly recap and review from when it aired don't worry i'll know by your predictions at the end of this episode what you actually do and don't know okay so the length of them from 2005 i'm like reading the recaps where the writer's trying to make predictions and then like i've gone back and read old ones i was like this guy was nailing it he was paying attention on a whole other level Mm -hmm. um but then i listened to one podcast from the week that you were just talking about and they were talking about the time travel thing, and he specifically said the whole point is that it's not like a back to the future thing. Correct. And there's very few time travel movies where whatever happened happened, but it makes for more interesting content in my mind because I love seeing moments where someone is basically fulfilling their own destiny in whatever way. I find that interesting, and they're going to really exploit that you know, with Desmond especially throughout the series because he now has a very unique ability um, to travel through time in himself. Yeah. He is kind of like unglued from time, I would would describe it as. Um, So yeah, um, you know, season that is not hugely remarkable but also does have some advances. The problem is it's like 24 fucking episodes long, so it's pretty painful at times. Um, You could boil season two down to a very compelling, like, three-hour movie. (laughs) Tell you that much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just trim all the fat. Um, And uh, Which they did when they killed Libby and Michelle Rodriguez. The fat very much continues into season three, though. Season three is when the wheels pretty much fly off the wagon. I need you to remind me what happens in the first episode. So what was the season two cliffhanger? So the season two cliffhanger is the the explosion of the hatch and um, the capturing of Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. Right. Yeah, that's Um, huge. And um, uh, there are scenes, of course, like anything, because I think Lost is just excellent filmmaking and showmaking where they are really effective. The first scene of the season, I think, is extremely effective where they show Jack that the Red Sox won on the TV. That 
was my favorite moment in the entire show. I knew that would hit you especially hard. Yeah, I was like crying. I was like, it, it's te- an amazing I was moment. Up. It's an amazing. Moment. I was like, if that, if I was in that situation, I was like saying to Cal, I was like, dude, if this ever happened to me, and I was in Jack's shoes, like, and they showed me that I missed the Mets winning the World Series. It would just be so hard. I was shook to my core. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is incredible. Scene. As if, if that happened, I'd be in the Jack role. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to address something up front that becomes like uh, completely like out of control from season two to three on. Um, I want to find the name I used for it, though, but I'm probably not going to. Um, basically I have this theory in my mind. It's not a theory. It's a collection of inconsistencies that exist with the Dharma initiative and with the others that become very apparent and are really stupid. Um, I think in the grand scheme of the show, especially knowing where it's going and even knowing as far as, you know, now, which is that the others on the Island, um, especially the ones in season one and two are acting and conducting themselves in a way that is wholly unnecessary and utterly ridiculous. And that continues like deep into the show. Um, and, and it's something that I know why they did it. They wanted the others to seem mysterious. Um, they wanted to seem unknowable and, and otherworldly. I understand they wanted to do that, but they ended up just being people. Right. These, a lot of these, except for, you know, some characters that we've seen that exhibit some strange, um, tendencies and abilities are just people um and that is why i refer to this whole paradigm as um the barefoot conundrum because like when you see the others in the jungle they're always barefoot they make this huge deal about they're barefoot they're barefoot and they show these people um barefoot yet a season later you're shown that they're all having book club tea parties right um sitting in a room these are not people that are trained yeah. to walk through a jungle barefoot at night they're like schrodinger's savage insane right and then you're given all this conflicting information you're giving information such as juliet says there's not a doctor here because we've never had anything seriously like this happen on the island yet you are doing these full raids on camps and (laughs) and kidnapping pregnant women barefoot you're just a person you don't you know, people around Ben, they don't have superpowers. I'm not spoiling anything by saying that, but you've seen by now knowing Juliet that most of them started as people um, that get caught up in the island. You'll see a lot of examples of that throughout the show where it's just like, you think you're going to see either a character or situation. Desmond in the hatch is a perfect example that is otherworldly or contains a ton of meaning. And you're just like, it's just people, right? That is a lost uh, repeating theme again and again that uh, really is interesting and, and whether you like it or not we'll go through a yeah. large portion of the most important parts of the show because just as you've seen with the Desmond Hatch reveal they want you to think one thing and then they're just like it's just people being people what if the like, monsters were us all along what if they were like at the end of the show the smoke monster is you literally Dan <laughs> oh my god the fucking smoke monster is going to dissolve and it's going to be just like Jack looking at himself. So yeah, there's all, all these in- inconsistencies with Dharma's as something, as someone who's watched the show so many times and knows where it's going and who Dharma is as an organization. Like it's just, it, so many things don't line up or make sense. Like here's a question. Hold yeah. On. Are they going to explain why the crates of food drops that were coming are like tagged still in Dharma gear. Like why is everything in like Dharma logos? Yes. Nice. Great. People were very upset about that. 
and it's very funny you bring that up they were upset about the explanation yeah they're like where did the food drop come from in season two right okay where the fuck did it come from and when we watched it this time my wife was very upset (laughs) she was like where the fuck did that come from and i was like dude do you want to know (laughs) um amazing that you picked up on that and not the bird but they are I'll say similarly explained, <laughs> which is amazing. Like really the ones that they couldn't tie up, if you know what I yeah, mean, right. ended up in a certain place. Okay. Um, anyway, I ruined that for you. Um, so inconsistency, inconsistencies with Dharma are, are really bothersome to me because like the, it's just all over the place. Like in, in the uh, Juliet scene where she's having the book club, there's like an 80 year old woman there. <laughs> and where that woman ended up in the rest of the show it doesn't make sense i don't know how they showed all these different kinds of people and again it's because of the writing they were like throw an old lady in there. oh i forgot about that they were like throw an old lady into the book club scene so that it she conf- seemed important it confuses the viewer even more into thinking that it's not on the island and right. and sometimes when you're trying to make one point in writing you miss another and that's when nitpickers and people who've seen things too many times like me can pick up on stuff that just isn't making sense. And, Mm. and a lot of that revolves around the behavior of the others. I think they're unnecessarily aggressive and unnecessarily ridiculous. Like what did they think when 40 people, we've seen how many of them there are. There's like 40 of them at best. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what did they think when 40 people crashed on their Island full of doctors, cops, Did they think that they could just kidnap pregnant women and just assume that it would never come back to them? Right. Assume that. And again, they're kidnapping the pregnant women to try to help them as they reveal. But in that retroactivity of the reveal, other things fall apart. It's like, yeah, you were trying to help the pregnant women, but then why were you acting like you were like a spooky monster in the woods? Yeah. Why didn't you just come up and tell them what's going on and help them? It's the same thing with the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, where... When they reveal that, spoiler alert, Adrian Brody and others in the town are impersonating the creatures, it's like, okay, I I get what you guys were trying to do, but you were being even spookier than you had to be. (laughs) You had, like, noises coming out of you and, like, like just – it's too much. Like, it doesn't make sense that people were doing this. Like, and and it's the same thing with the others in this show. In an effort, much like in The Village, to – make your antagonist spookier it kind of makes it make less sense like you see in one point in the village one of them is literally like floating right like that's the way it was moving it was literally floating across the ground it's like yeah guys guys, come on yeah (laughs) and at the end they show the costumes in the village and they're just like straw right right. you know what i mean they look like shit and that's exactly (laughs) like in lost they find the beards and the stuff in the in the locker room they're like whoa um the <laughs> yeah thing, the dude thing, that that shit was i was rolling my eyes in the back of my head. his beard is fake the, like, th- the thing that i do like though and like why why even have a fake beard well why why go that far so With that when walt got kidnapped it seemed to be by some spooky fucking farm people it's not so... not like a fucking well-coiffed gay man um <sighs> yeah they're um, so just like morally and like abject like the way they kidnap walt entirely unnecessary <laughs> you've gotten to the point i assume at, at which they bring ugh, i don't want to spoil anything for you i don't okay is uh has john Locke had any interactions with his dad recently like his you know the evil dad that he has the one that sawyer killed yes okay all right okay. yeah you've gotten through all of that okay that was a while um, ago so like 
in the scene where the others tie uh, John Locke's dad to a giant pole yeah. and demand that John Locke murder his own father, like that is part of this web. Where when you get to the end of the show, you're like, but wh- why were these people acting like this? Like, and and um, you know, they cut to Ben, and Ben's like, it's just the way it has to be, John. <laughs> and he's like, John Locke is like, why though? And, and he's like, he's like, the island demands it. But at the same time, the show is telling you that Ben isn't being talked to by the island, right? Like that he doesn't hear these things. So like when uh, he's just also like he's just fucking crazy, dude. A whole fucking organization that is killing people, kidnapping pregnant women for a dude that's like, I'm talking to Jacob. It's just like, dude, it's so hard to believe that any of the others would follow him. Like, yes, there are mysteries on the island, right? But Ben doesn't know anything more about them than anyone else. He's never told anyone about Jacob. They make that clear. They're like, oh, like, oh. They don't even say, like, oh, Ben's the only one who talks to him. They don't even know who he is. And Ben's just like, ah, I talked to Jacob. And it's just like, (laughs) it's like, dude, how are these people following you? What have you showed them in the past 20 years that would command this level of allegiance? Nothing. He knows nothing. You see that with the cabin. They go to the cabin and and it's such a ridiculous scene. He's talking to an empty chair, Dan. And it's like, Ben, you're being a cl- He's being a clown. <laughs> yeah, he's being an actual clown. And like, I don't want, I'm not, I hope I'm not spoiling the show for you when I tell you that that was not Jacob. That was not like Jacob's cabin. That's literally like a smoke and mirrors, like ridiculous puppet show that was put on for him of some kind. Has no real explanation, I don't think. Like, it, it doesn't line up. And, and, like, a lot of things from that period of time with the others. It's just, like, what the fuck? Like, Ben is, like, like don't, like, uh, they get close to the cabin and Ben's, like, uh, like, watch out for the lead, John. And, like, there's, like, all this, like, this spooky lead, like, yeah. lined around the cabin. And John picks it up. It's, like, what? How did you know that? You've never, you don't talk to Jacob. Like, he's made that clear. He's, like, Jacob's never talked to me. It's, like, you just, I get he's a devious character, but he represents the others yeah, as right. an organization. And as an organization, <laughs> they're fucked. Yeah. Like, what were they working on before this plane crashed? Nothing? <laughs> they're like having Stephen King book clubs? They were working on trying to solve the pregnant women thing. <clears throat> but what else were they doing? Um. Yeah, I mean. What were they doing? I don't know. Fucking... What was Ben saying to these people every day? It was, it's another day. Yeah, in, I mean, creepy town. Like, like, don't worry about these people in cages that were making <coughs> chopped brick. Because they're not Dharma anymore. These aren't the scientists from the Dharma Initiative that no, are these still are just, con- these are just conducting his, tests. These are just his homies. They're literally just living on this island. Yeah, and all and Ben's they, homies. They all can walk barefoot. Is all I'm saying. Like, it's just part of a thing that does not sit with me anymore. Well, as a rewatcher of this series, yeah. it's just like you guys are being. Once you zoom out and see their behavior. It's like you didn't have to be this way at all. Right. If you weren't going to kill these 40 people from the second they landed, you have like endless resources. You have a town that is pretty much empty when you look at it. I mean, it's not like at capacity. I know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why did they're like, we're here to help you. But they're also like they're watching numerous people just get murdered and die. They could have helped in so many ways. Endless ways. It just. Why? Why is being an other mean that you need to be some like soulless deviant? It yeah, makes no. Right. It makes no sense even with the end of the show. Other than to say that, like, you know, if the show is about 
you know, absolute power corrupts whoever's running the island, whether it's Dharma or the others, or it's already getting to a point of futility, in my opinion, that is very important in understanding the show where like everyone thinks they're doing the right thing in Lost. And it's just like at the end of the day, not up to them. It's right. always just like out of reach or no one gets what they really want. It's just like kind of the same tragedies, like comedies of error over and over again. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, Ben and his whole thing, it's it's fun and he is compelling, but it gets so, like, snidely whiplash, like, ridiculous at points. He's like, he needs a mustache to twirl. <laughs> it gets to that point where he's just, like, being ridiculous, especially to John. I need to say goodbye to my daughter, John. I need to say goodbye to my daughter, John. <laughs> Just, I hate it's when what? he says John so much. It really upsets Dude, me. Dude, he's like Hannibal Lecter meets Nathan Lane. He's a lot. His performance <laughs> is not as nuanced as I remember. It's pretty out there in the open. It's a very naked performance. He's really doubled down. Yeah, he went shit. for it. Okay, so season three. Um, God damn it, Dan. Um, season three. Um, I. So wait, how did season three start? Uh, previously on Lost. Perfect. All right. Now um, does it end? I need the book end. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Never gets old. Yeah, baby. set that one up. Um, okay, so um, I, I have like sporadic kind of thoughts and notes about season three. Obviously, I've made it clear that I thought the first half of the season was pretty much garbage. Uh, I disagreed with your take on the se- on the episode where John Locke loses his voice. And uh, his subsequent flashback story is him being a pot farmer. Yeah. Um, when I got over the fact that he was doing an impression of John Hur, um, <laughs> I, I, I actually really found that episode compelling. And I liked the story with the weed farm. It had some good turns in it. Like, not Jesse Pinkman turned out to be a cop. I thought that was a great turn. I yeah, didn't see that coming. Yeah, the star of the Dragon Ball Z movie. And the shameless the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie where oh he's the God. son that's like, I want to go kill myself, Dad. Yeah. And he's like, go ahead. That was probably my single least favorite episode of the show. Um, I thought that was a particularly strong one. So weird disagreement on that front. Yeah. Um, but maybe we disagree about our mileage on John Locke whatsoever. Uh, Some him, people don't appreciate the finer things about Lost. Him being a, like a, a weird farmer was huge. Like and, and like many things in season two and three, they show our core cast in flashbacks acting and looking like they've never looked before in different points of their life. And it's just... Some of them were huge asks. Huge. <laughs> yeah. John Locke as a pot farmer, I felt like it was a very strong ask. Yeah. But it was a, it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it, uh, on the island, he does a sweat lodge thing where it flashes back to him, like in in the not Jesse Pinkman thing. So stupid. Um, um, but yeah, I, I felt like this is All where. Right, so this is that season. This is season three. Yeah, season three is yeah. where in the beginning things went haywire. Immediately the ratio spent with characters is way off. Yes. Um, you spend time with them in the cages. You spend time with like John Locke going on his vision quest, but like really a large piece of the show like has gone missing or isn't fully there for those first few episodes. Just felt like the vibe was super off. Um, I actually think that's the worst stretch of episodes in uh, the entire series of lost. I was surprised by that. I really That's thought my that, feeling so far. Really thought that that was not going to be the case, uh, or didn't remember it being the case from my last watch through. Um, I believe at one point you were like, "How's season three going? Better than two, right?" I was like, "Oh boy." Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not. It's lows are it's lower, worse. but the second half is 
incredibly strong. Yes. Um, incredibly well, so strong. So I've been referring at home, I've been referring to it as season 3A. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> season 3B um, is killer. Season 3A peaks with the most ridiculous episode in Lost history, and there's no way that you could ever the John Locke Sweat Lodge convince thing. another person that the John Locke Sweat Lodge episode is worse than the Biling on the Island Jack's Tattoos episode. That is <laughs> clearly, and I mean clearly, like as clear as that day, was an episode of Entourage, dude. Ten miles down the road, you could see it coming. <laughs> Worst episode of Lost imaginable. Let me describe to our listeners who maybe haven't seen the show in a while or just listening to this like a creep who's never seen Lost. Um, what happened on Jack's front in this episode? Because as there's nothing happening on the island, really, in that episode, there's double nothing happening in Jack's like vacation bang story with like a Thai prostitute getting his tattoos. Yeah. Um, I believe he's in China. Sorry, that was insensitive of me. And, um, uh, it starts with Jack assembling a kite by himself <laughs> <laughs> on an island on vacation. Um, he meets Bai Ling and they giggle. That is the entire first flashback. Right. No dialogue, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. Jack, let me just read that again. Jack <laughs> is assembling a kite <laughs> by himself on an island on vacation. He's wearing like a Hawaiian button down, sunglasses the whole episode. He's doing yeah. so many sunglasses looks. Um, second flashback. Wait, wait, hold on. So in a show that has predicated itself on when it does open with a flashback, that flashback is going to be so fucking pivotal, important and cliffhangery right. so that when you see, when it jumps away from the flashback, you're like, no, right. this episode starts with exactly what he just described. Yeah. And I was like, I literally was in there. I was like, I am not compelled by this. It is shocking. <laughs> that flashback is shocking. Second flashback. It's jarringly mundane. Second flashback tries to outdo the first. <laughs> Jack tries food in a restaurant with Bai Ling, who struggles with every single English word she attempts to speak. It's the whole flashback. And this actress is, um, she's a porn star now, right? I don't think so. Yes. No, she's like in in some Fast and Furious stuff. And no, she does porn now, I'm pretty sure. No? No, I think you're thinking of Tila Tequila. No, I'm for sure not. <laughs> put, put a pin on this. I'm put a pin of, in this. Okay, fine. Um, uh, Next flashback. Jack has been living on the she's beaches of... She's though for an episode. Jack has been living on the beaches of China for a year, they reveal. It's the exact same as her character. A year. Yeah. Yeah, so when does this take place? Does that get answered? Does this have any relevancy to the rest of the fucking show? No, it's just Jack getting the shit kicked out of him by just, like her Asian it, brothers. It's just Middle America. Uh, the women of Middle America wanted to know where Jack got his tattoos because those are the real actors' tattoos. So they made up a whole episode around explaining that. When did he have a year to be there? When? Anyway, Jack has been living on the beaches of China for a year. He gets Bai Ling to admit that she is a mind-reading prostitute tattoo artist. She gives him the mark of a great leader. That's an ask. Um, <laughs> she gives him the mark of a great leader, but brings great dishonor to her family and disrespects her entire culture by appropriating it. Then the entire town gets together to beat his ass. Yeah, but she, he like makes her. He's like, give me the tattoo. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird. And then the whole town beats him up. And yeah. that's the end of the episode. No, we're doing it. Um, we're doing it. Jack had like this thing where like he he gets into a relationship or has sex with a woman and then shortly thereafter is just so fucking mean to them 
I felt like they they turned the whole uh, Sawyer nickname thing on its head at least <laughs> one time in season three, and I really appreciated. Sawyer calls Hurley Jumbotron, and Hurley retorts with, shut up, redneck man. <laughs> and I wrote, damn, somebody finally put his ass in his place. Yeah, got him. Got his ass. Got his ass. Anyway, one episode later, Sawyer calls Sun and Jin Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon to their face. I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> um and i think i think honestly um really the apex of stupidity in season three is capped off with the cliffhanger shot of jack playing football with the others like it's a scene out of the room um note jack playing football is like the best cliffhanger ever (laughs) Um, i loved it when that happened i i was like why was he playing football no. I love that. So, wait, so that means we've gone past now at this point. Uh, my first note that needs to be unpacked. What's that? That is, Jack's dad is like Claire's dad, and also is Claire's dad. That is correct. So what I think is happening there the first half is that I wrote a note because Claire was telling, like, confiding and telling a story about her dad, and I was like, sounds like Jack's dad. Oh, nice, yeah. And then I wrote a PS, and also is Jack's dad. That is crazy. Um, and then, in my opinion, one of the finest one-two punches in the entire series happens in season three. Um, and that is two of the finest episodes the show has to offer. One of them is The Man from Tallahassee. Um, it's Ben in a wheelchair coming head-to-head with John Locke as we see Locke's backstory leading up to his paralyzation. Um, Danielle sees Alex for the first time. We see the submarine for the first time. And there's a moment where Locke opens the hatch to go in and they do it exactly like him looking in the first season they like redo all of it again which i thought was like a nice homage moment that whole episode is very strong but the episode that comes after it i believe is even stronger and that episode is called expose which i think is one of the finest episodes in the whole series um dan has made it very clear that he hated it Um, (laughs) we're all on board for that i'm very disappointed by that because um I think it's still to this day so interesting. There's so many layers. What happens in that episode besides the show Expose? So, Expose. Here's what is, in my opinion, so fantastic about Expose. First of all, you have Nikki and Paolo, who are these completely disrespected characters that you purposefully don't give a shit about. You are shown that they are woven into the very fabric of every element of the show, basically. Um, Nikki and Paolo spend the whole episode visiting historic spots from the entire series. Um, Their flashback starts with the show expose that Nikki is uh, in, uh, also (laughs) starring Lando Calrissian, which I thought was an excellent moment. That was hilarious. Um, Billy D. Williams. From that first scene, you get a vibe that there is something playful about this episode that is not found in almost anywhere else in the series. It Um, almost feels like an episode of Arliss. It was, it was very, uh, it was very energetic. It was very comical, but it also is one of the few episodes, such as the tale previous forty-two days or whatever episode, that goes back to the beginning of the show and shows you everything all over again from a different point of view. Um, I always find that compelling when it's done correctly, and I thought it was here done very well. Um, it's full of meta commentary, uh, such as Paulo saying that he refused to climb to the plane where Boone died because he doesn't want to get killed. Um, you know, it's just a moment where you're like, oh, well, he's smarter than Boone. Yeah, like, right. He's smarter than the show. Like, it's like, this is somebody who is watching the show almost, who's now on the island themselves being like, I'm not going to go get fucking killed up there. Yeah, like, right. I'm not going to do that. Um, 
there's also um, a, a beach community episode, which had been lacking for a long time, um, about the Nikki and Paolo episode, where you're really kind of shown the beach community again after the whole chaotic ridiculousness of the first half of the season where they just were not showing the beach and it was just them in the polar bear cages and just like just the show had started shifting and that episode has huge vibes from season one they show scenes from it they show nikki and paolo in the actual plane crash and how like literally it's like the guy that gets sucked into the propeller it's like one inch away from like it just got to be too much dude it was so fucking over overdone um their whole story it's is another example of like microcosms of things happening again and again on the island it's also a take on romeo and juliet uh has like a super grim ending of them being buried alive it's fucking amazing it's dark as fuck at points and interesting and a nice kind of review of the series from a different point of view and it just does things that no other episode does and that's just one and done and I think it's just a very well-written piece of television is definitely a standout for me. Uh, still. Zero out of ten. Zero out of ten for Dan. Nine out of ten for me on Di- ra- like rating that episode. Di- like diamonds. Like, fuck off. <laughs> um, then we kind of begin this plot line with Charlie and... and um, Desmond, the whole you're going to die, Charlie thing. Um, my favorite thing on that on rewatch is just like how Charlie's just a little sassy boy to Desmond about knowing he's going to die. I know, I know. He's, he's just a... like, what? What next? What next, dude? Well, like, you seen something else? He's such a little queen. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, that that leads to some interesting things. I think that the, the end of season three is so fantastic. The not Penny's boat thing is one of the hugest moments in the yeah. series. Um, people were always obsessed with that. Like that's the Halloween costume. Just write not Penny's boat and put a hoodie on, do a bunch of heroin and, and you've got the perfect costume. If I was watching lost at the time, there's zero chance I wouldn't have done that for Halloween. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, they bring in, um, John Locke's dad at this point, it starts getting really fucking interesting, um, with Richard Alpert at this point. Um, really the pieces are starting to be put on the board. Like if loss is a chess game, that chess game, first of all, has not begun where you are in the show, surely, but the pieces are being assembled on the board. I'd say it takes until the last season of the show until they're like, here's what's up. So it's going to be a while. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) Um, I need another note decoded. Yes. Let's hear it. (laughs) Quote. Why are you fighting us instead of them? <laughs> Could be about... Oh, no. That must be about... Um, uh, uh, okay, I know what that's about. Wow, this is a fun game for me, at least. Um, that's, that's the goal. Um, this is about Jack. Uh, this is someone wondering why Jack is disagreeing with the beach people and defending Julia. Oh, yeah, right. That would be my yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, that seems important. Um, then, you know, the conflict with Sawyer finding out that his dad is John Locke's dad, I think is incredible. Still lands perfectly. Yeah. I think that... I, I was mad at myself for not seeing that coming. Yeah. I was wondering if you were going to get that. I was wondering if Rachel was going to get that too. And you both got nailed by that one. The guy in the reviews that I've gone back to read nailed that one. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the only thing that bothers me about that is that when Sawyer kills Sawyer, uh, it's just a shot for shot. Empire or uh, Return of the Jedi, Leia choking um, 
Jabba the Hutt with the chain. It's like even down to the shot of his hands oh quivering and oh relaxing. God, oh, you have right. to rewatch it thinking of it that way. It's, it's shot for shot, Dan. They do like three shots in a row that are literally Slave Leia choking out Jabba. And that was on purpose, I imagine. Oh, uh, beyond belief. That's so funny. Anything Star Trek or Star Wars related is all on purpose. There's a lot of it. That's and especially so later, they make some really huge references to, to like Star Wars and Star Trek <laughs> that I appreciate, but like kind of age weirdly and feels feels weird. Um, <laughs> and anyway, season three, um, I think hits its apex, of course, with the man behind the curtain. That's Ben's episode. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one of the most chill-inducing lines in the whole series that I still love so much is Ben looks at Richard Alpert and he goes, you do remember birthdays, do you, Richard? Uh, that's a, an incredibly, like, veiled... At that point, you don't really know that Richard Alpert has been seen in these other time periods right. or, or that he potentially can't age, if that's it. or maybe... That was for sure part of the reason that I was saying what I was about him. I forgot about that one. Yeah, and, and Ben says, you still remember birthdays, yeah. don't you? I think that's such like a, knowing who Richard is from what I know, which is a lot more about just that character and his importance. It is fascinating to just like hear that line. Great, mm-hmm. great line. Nice. Um, the rapport between Ben and Richard is very fascinating because yeah. you get to see that even Ben doesn't know everything. Even Ben has to kind of like sidestep when he talks to Richard because Richard is something else even more other than anything on the island we've seen so far so um, there is a lot of interesting stuff with Richard Richard is the mystery that I put the most faith into to knock it out of the park of the whole show as a character at least I was like man if we ever get to find out more about this dude we're gonna find out a fucking lot <laughs> um and the payoff is strong nice. like the strongest it could be that's uh, awesome um so yeah he's a such a great character and that performance is great fans had never seen him in a show before so they all wrote letters and whatnot emails or however it was done in 2005 about uh why does he have so much eyeliner on um, but that's that dude's natural eyes. Um, really? They weren't putting any makeup on him whatsoever. He just has dark lines where his eye lines are. And um, so people always thought he was wearing goofy makeup. They're like, ooh, who's this mysterious character who doesn't that's age and, and wears eyeliner? And the actor had to come out at the time and be like, it, those are my eyes. Like, he had to come out as fucking shaded under his eyes. <laughs> that's, um, the, that's the new them. Yeah. Um, I'd like to read um, another, another yeah, note for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah which this is my favorite of the notes. Yep. This was my summary of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. This season's, quote, everything to me, unquote, <laughs> um, is the way Desmond looks at Hurley when he says they're hanging out because they're friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Adorable. Dude, when Desmond says we're hanging out because we're friends. We're friends, brother. Yeah, and Hurley's just like, dude, the look on his face... I was like, that poor fucking man. Finally, he found friendship. DJ Qualls did him dirty. He sure did. Um, So, yeah, Ben's episode happens, and that shit is fucking huge. I know you've had a pretty good reaction to that. Yeah. Uh, We get the Roger Workman mystery solved, which is who is the guy who's dead in the van. uh, Oh, right. In in present day. Yeah. Um, And we find out that that was Ben's father, and that Ben was not born on the island, and that he's kind of full of shit and kind of a little prick, and has been through a lot, and has a very storied relationship with Richard Alpert, and um, kicked off the purge that destroyed the Dharma Initiative. So that's a lot of information in one episode. Yeah, Um, tons. And is, is fascinating, and seeing the Dharma Initiative in action 
Doesn't get better than that. So far, that's that's top five episodes of the series for me so far. 100%. That's a, just an incredible episode, even though it does include the cabin scene. Uh, it's it, so wild that it's, that is it's that episode. It. Yeah, I mean, that's... Cabin scene has rubbed me wrong forever. I just I'll never get over it. Is that it. also the episode where he shoots Locke in the end? Uh, yes, I think so, yeah. This is close to the end of season three. Um, there's this whole dynamic, too, in season three with Ben, Alex, and Carl, um, which I think is funny. It's like a sitcom where the daughter's dad makes yeah, the right. boyfriend's life a living hell, <laughs> but it's, like, literally torturing him. Um, so that that's fun. Yeah. Um, uh, and, yeah, the season ends with a fantastic episode where Charlie um, has to finally die, brother. And um, his ultimate destiny is to flip the switch on a jammer, which is to the tune of good vibrations. Yeah, and, uh, and which, to call back to last episode, this is the single most egregious um, striking of the face so far was Charlie striking Desmond in the face with the oar. The because, or. because Desmond volunteered to go kill himself instead of Charlie to save him. And Charlie's noble way of handling that to be like, I'm going to do it instead, was to crack his fucking life-sacrificing friend over the head with an oar and knock him out. It is truly incredible how many people have been knocked out in the face at this um, point. Yeah. Like hundreds. The, um, season four managed to almost top that one. <laughs> There have been some serious beatdowns. Um, but yeah, Charlie has to go do the tune of Good Vibrations on the thing, which just reminded me of fucking Towley. Yeah. That's all I could think of. That's a tune to Funky Town. <laughs> Take me down, Funky Town. He's like pressing the buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, I couldn't stop thinking of that during that. But it Did was you know that Towley is voiced by the person who created Wonder Shows in, and, uh, that fucking oh, Adult he? Swim show that I'm always talking about, the Shivering Truth. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Vernon Chapman, fascinating. Weird guy. Um, Shivering Truth, ten out of ten. Now we're going to talk about one of the biggest mysteries, really quick, that you and I got into through a text battle. Okay. Um, uh, that the mi- alternate timelines. That mystery um, revolves around what's happening in this final episode of season three, which is the first flash forward. Um, oh yeah, that is that's the. Um, that's wild that you had to wait a fucking year after that how did you feel about uh we have to go back huge moment how did i feel about it like what was your state what was your mental state when that was revealed um i was like this is compelling how they've managed to in the course of like 40 seconds create such an overwhelming now this is the number one priority mystery. Right. Which is like, what the fuck's going on there that would lead to this? Sure. Um, But I found that moment ultimately unsatisfying. Hmm. Really? I found it... While it created that mystery, I also was like... Did it make you a little sad that they were going to leave? I was like, this answer... Yeah, I was like, this answer is almost too much and is now hitting like hitting me over the face with like the realization that everything I care about is not the most important thing that my friend will happen again don't worry (laughs) great um but I just dude it was like no I don't know It, it it it's clearly like the most important thing that had happened to that point but I was just like I don't want to do flash forwards is really what it came down to. Yeah. And some of them were kind of shitty, but <laughs> I, I, I do. 
my biggest bummer was like, oh no, this is going to shift the focus of things too strongly. Yeah. I mean, definitely. But where where I'm at in the series, and honestly where you're at, I mean, they're already mobilizing to get back, and if you're watching it at a clip that we're watching it at, it's like And a, I will say blip. that season four was very satisfying. Right. For how it, like a lot of the fl- uh, flash forwards have been exceptionally compelling. So it's But what... some of them are a lot. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um... So it's within that episode where they're making you think as if it's a flashback of Jack's shitty life. It's actually a flash forward of Jack's shitty life. At one point, um, he ends up drunk at his hospital, freaking out, um, and um, a different doctor comes up to him, and Jack says, my dad is dead. Or no, I'm sorry. Jack says, um, uh, (laughs) get my dad down here right now. No, I said his dad is dead. (laughs) Yeah, you said his dad. He said, get you know get my dad down here right now and if he's drunker than me then uh like you know like i can do the surgery i'm drunk yeah right um anyway i wrote a little blip about that um because you were very upset about that as if the writers had tricked you into thinking jack's dad is still alive that's just like such i thought it was lazy writing it's such manipulation yeah um I wanted to show a little appreciation for um, the well-placed line that's in the episode, Through the Looking Glass. Um, So Dr. Hamill confronts Jack, and Jack says, You bring my father down here, and if I'm drunker than he is, you can fire me. Um, I think it's a fantastic line because there's tons of layers to it. Um, Yes, it's obviously meant to disguise the flash-forward aspect of the episode, um, sure. But what Jack is really saying is, uh, you know, not only you can fire me when pigs fly, but it's a way of saying my dad is dead and he's still drunker than me. If nobody cared about his drinking at this hospital, then shut up about mine, essentially. That's part of it, surely. Um, uh, it created definitely opposing theories about what was going on at the time when it came out. Um, um, some people thought Jack had forgotten that his dad was dead. Some people thought it was related to the hallucinations. Uh, that he is shown to have on the next season. Some people thought it was a plot hole. No matter what, um, it was a way to throw the audience off while essentially using what is a turn of phrase. That's that's Being where like, I'm, that's the camp I'm in currently. Yeah, if you got my dad down here right now, alive or dead, he's drunker than me. And he did surgery here, so fuck off. Is essentially the way it's read, at least in my mind. But it is an interesting writing way to lie directly to your audience but have it retroactively be a turn of phrase that could potentially have been said it's a ridiculous way to phrase it nobody would ever say it like that but the way it is said it is acceptable and i do find that to be an interesting line so i i I don't mind that zero out of ten okay (laughs) (laughs) um okay and that brings us to season four um and we're just going to do a little bit on season four because you're still in the throes of it um but you get a lot of cool shit <laughs> right off the bat. Um, we got we got Charlotte with the second most egregious head smash in the series. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> that was a really serious one. Um, uh, uh, right off, they're the always bat, just doing that. That afterwards, being like, "I'm sorry, I had to hit you over the head with a fire extinguisher." You get a lot of. <laughs> yeah, they're always like, "It had to be done." It's yeah. like, dude, you, you could have killed me. Like, I'm dead, actually. Yeah, yeah. you could have just been like, hey, here's what I'm doing. If one person in this show would tell the truth one fucking time, we could avoid 33% of these head smashes. The twist of Lost, ultimately, is that they're all dead from head smashes. <laughs> yeah, they all have CTE. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, um, you know, this, this season uh, has 
a lot of crazy ass shit in it as it goes along. It shows the plane wreckage on the bottom of the ocean, which yeah. I think is such a great visual. I love that. Such an awesome moment to start the season off on. Um, kind of the realization that the plane was, you know, not our plane. So thank God not everyone's dead. Finally, you can relieve yourself of that for the millionth time. Yeah. <laughs> as an audience. Um, I thought that was like such a fucking like hacky escape from that, though. Just like, it's a decoy plane. I do like the twist also that Aaron is with Kate. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah, I like that. I, I somehow didn't put that together really um, the first time. It got me off guard and uh, still is a pretty compelling twist. Um, because I really thought it was her baby. And I it, really thought it was her baby. I was pumped that it wasn't until the Jack flashback episode that I just watched. Right. That I realized that I, I had thought for the first time in ages that Aaron is Jack's nephew. I believe this is the season two where they bring in Daniel Faraday for the first time. Sure is. And um, the lawnmower man himself, uh, Frank Lapidus. Um, Wild. And these are some of my fave characters. Um, Daniel Faraday is probably my second favorite character in the whole series. Um, Jeremy Davies. Uh, alpha male. <laughs> peak, <laughs> peak performance. Star of such fantastic films as Solaris. And um, is the same character in pretty much every single Spanking movie. Spanking the monkey. Um, I've not F- seen Future it MVP CEU. Future and... Property. Future property. I already consider him a member of the family. Um saving private ryan he's the yeah. little chicken shit bitch <laughs> um who lets adam go he's a little anti-semite who lets adam goldberg be stabbed in the heart um you know this is the season where we get the constant we're starting to see some time travel fuckery going on uh we get to see that michael is actually on the boat is kevin johnson oh, yeah. which i thought is a compelling reveal this and- whole season moves jack from the provider role to the exposition demander role <laughs> yeah. where there's three straight episodes <laughs> where the only scene he shows up is just to walk into a room and be like you're gonna tell me why x y and z happened and they're like that is all he does you're yeah. right i'm going to <laughs> um and yeah other than that we're like uh pretty much caught up at this point season four baby season four it's pretty great season i like i said i don't think there's a single sour episode in the entire batch honestly i loved um ben going up to fucking uh woodmore's penthouse suite that was great that was so fucking just like classic just like the whole build up just you know in 3a they're expecting me right and the guy's like Okay. And I'm like, yeah, of course he says okay. And putting the key right in the thing. Imagine having an elevator that goes right to your fucking living room. Imagine not having to open a door, Dan. <laughs> That's a great detail to get hung up on. <laughs> I was like, that guy's rich. Uh, I, I, I saw when I was a kid some houses that had elevators, like in house tours, because my mom was a real estate agent. And it, it just blew my mind anytime I saw that. It yeah. was literally like, so this is the richest person alive. The mansion uh, had an elevator in it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure you destroyed that. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, season four, pretty much flames season five, even more flames, the most flames, honestly, in my opinion. And, um, other than that, I'm excited for your journey forward. The next time we'll be potting about lost might be during next season. I'm not sure. I have vast journeys to go on between now and the beginning of next season. Oh my God. You're going to go on vacation. I'm going to fucking like finish the show. I'm going to like wait for you. I'm going to freak out. Yeah. Slow down. You're going to have to watch the show slow like down. on your phone while you're gone. No, because the next time we'll be doing Lost Boys will be our finale special. That's what I'm saying. Where we'll be in the same room together. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because like, if I pass you, 
And then I don't do it. If I get to the third to last episode and then have to stop for two weeks while you catch up, I'm going to freak out. Well, you know what? It would still be thousands <laughs> of less hours and I had to wait in between season two and three. So you'll be all right. Um, you'll survive. Hard just like fucking pass just like to the that. survivors of a 15, baby. I'll know if you've watched it too. be like, don't lie to me. Yeah. Cause I'm going to be like. Wow, did you see that? Wow, no way. <laughs> the smoke monster is a polar bear. Um, <laughs> okay. Get a load of that pyramid. Called it. Uh, <laughs> that's for real. That's coming. All right. Um, in terms of predictions, uh, Dan, what is the smoke monster? The smoke monster is Richard Alpert. Dan, who's Richard Albert? <laughs> that I don't fucking know. Uh, he's a guy who I think has been there for g- generations and generations, far preceding the Dharma Initiative. What but that's if, all I got. What if he has not been there for generations and generations? What if he's just a time traveler and that's why he's always the same age? Why would he be always the same age? Because he's just traveling back to individual points. Yeah. Oh, my God, like setting wheels in motion. I'm just giving theories that I would have been giving at the time. That's definitely there's information there that could explain that. It's just like the you do remember birthdays thing is like. Well, I mean, if you were constantly time traveling, you wouldn't like be celebrating birthdays. You'd have no linear time. Exactly. Hmm. That's a lot. I got to I got to I got to. What if a lot? I wanted to sleep tonight. What if a lot of the characters that we find mysterious or at all interesting are just time travelers? What if a lot of the fuckery on the island of people knowing things about each other about what if it's all just time travel? Anyway, have a good night tonight, Dan. What is is Jack's dad? Jack's dad's the smoke monster. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. You'll never know how right you were until you go back and listen to this, I guess, right? Or wrong. Yeah. I Mostly know. wrong. I keep trying to get predictions out of Kat, and she's giving me nothing to work with. Uh, any other prediction I should ask for? Um, you're very close to one of the biggest mysteries being solved in what I refer to as the umbrella mystery. Okay. Where it's like you're not going to be told, but you'll be able to figure it out. Is it the polar bears? That is correct. Oh, my God. So... Now that you know that, which you shouldn't, but now that you know that, now you'll know to try to put it together. Okay. So the next time I talk to you, I'll ask you, what are the polar bears? Um, obviously, we don't know what the Hurley bird is. We've gone over that. That's uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to ask about Walt because they don't care about Walt. Dude, we got a whole episode of Mike and Walt, and then immediately he's gone in the show again. I'm like, thank God, dude. <laughs> Think about it from my perspective. The whole season of the show went by without him before he came back. Yeah, right. And so that was huge. We were like, what the fuck? Dude, that fucking entertainment. You were like, oh, yeah, Mike, I saw you last week. Yeah, right. (laughs) That Entertainment Weekly article where the guy was doing his review of the episode, it was the episode before the Walt review, and he's like doing the summary, and he's like, Ben says he has a guy on the boat. And then it's been parentheses, like, my suspicion is Walt, or my suspicion is Michael. And I'm like, how? How was that your suspicion? It's lost, baby. <laughs> All right, Dan, any final thoughts? Um, season four, nine out of ten. Yeah. Season three, less than that. Yeah. Season three, though, had some great shit. Three B? It stopped. Nine out of ten. Stopped the bullshit about halfway through. 
All right. Well, next time we hear from us about Lost, we will probably like be in the future. Oh my god! Just like some of our castmates, we'll be post COVID. <laughs> Tenant will finally out be out on VHS. Baby.